Before we get started today, I wanted to remind you that the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. For coverage of the top NFL offseason storylines, tune in to KJZ on ESPN Radio weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahenti will provide insight and analysis as we start the new league year next month and work our way to the draft. KJZ is also available as a podcast after every show. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks sacks are not a quarterback stat and kind of misses his. I'm Mina Kime. <laughs> <laughs> too gross? Too gross? I, no, no. I love that. That is wonderful. Oh, well, you, my God. You, okay, so to, I guess, open the kimono a little bit, Dominique and I started taping. I just got sidetracked, and I usually write oh, my great. intro right before yeah you heard me panicking and and you i wish you were we don't see each other but you could have seen my brain spinning furiously trying to think of something for 30 seconds well the way that you wrote that in 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 30 seconds was pretty impressive like it takes me forever that's why you are the queen of twitter because those things come to your mind so quickly because that was great and i think it might be the best joke does anybody catalog all your i hope not i'm pretty sure i reused some Um, Well, that's number one right now. I've definitely used Bobby Wagner as Lenny's favorite player. And the reason he's a good segue and the reason I actually went to the Saks or IQB stat thing or our IQB stat shoot um, was because we've got news out of Seattle with the quarterback who thinks he's been sacked too often. And so, look, you you and I are going to talk about the Super Bowl in depth, of course, but it's amazing how much can happen in just two days. Um, it's Tuesday. We're taping on Tuesday. And I want to talk to you specifically with the Super Bowl because I think everyone's now heard the same takes about the Bucks' utter domination with four and some of the adjustments they made. But I, I want to talk to you a little bit about what the Chiefs did wrong, if anything, how possibly it could have shaken out differently and specifically what the Bucks defense did, because I think from your vantage point, that's especially fascinating. Yeah, we watched the game, so I got some great answers well, no. for you, but okay. they got to wait. They got to wait. Gotta wait. Well, but we'll get to that, and most of the podcast will be about that. But I do want to talk about Wilson, because like generally it feels like th- this is a the, one of the setting up to be one of the craziest quarterback off-seasons in a while, coming off of the Stafford trade, which Jeff and I talked about last week. But also, I don't know, there's just something in the air where – I don't know if it's that like it, it, it feels like both quarterbacks want out, teams want to move on. Usually nothing happens with franchise quarterbacks, but this year feels a little bit different. For those who don't know, before we get into the Russell Wilson thing, he did an interview on the Dan Patrick show earlier today where he he said he didn't like being sacked so much. He uh, <laughs> nearly 400 sacks. And, um, you know, then this prompted much sports television and radio debate about whether that was true, whether he's to blame for the sacks, and whether he should have said any of this in public. So let's start here, Dominique. How do you, like, what's your immediate reaction to Russell Wilson even saying this? Is This is Russell Wilson's best attempt at being a bad guy. Because I think we all accept the adage, nice guys finish last, like, has a lot of truth to it. And mm-hmm. if you put, like, it in a, through a football lens, it's, uh, like, 
the nice quarterback doesn't go to the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I, I don't think on my toes as quickly as you do. But, like, no one thinks back on your career 20 years after you're done playing and says, like, oh, he never won a Super Bowl or he didn't make it to the Pro Bowl. But you know what? He was a good soldier. He did what they wanted all mm. the time. People look back on those careers like John Elway is a perfect example. No one remembers except for when we bring it up every draft that he refused to go to Baltimore. No one talks much about Eli forcing his way to to out of San Diego and to um, New York. And no one talks much about Brett Favre being wishy-washy at the end of his career. Like We don't talk about the jerkiness of our quarterbacks. We talk about how many championships they won, how many MVPs they, they won, or how many Super Bowls they've gone to. Those are the things we talk about. And I think that some of these players are starting to realize that you got to be the squeaky wheel because the mm. team does not, do not have your interest in mind all the time. And Aaron Rodgers is the vanguard of that right now. I think also, yeah, for certainly also being a quarterback is like such a unique position because you're not quite labor. You're not quite management. You know what I mean? Like you're tied to the team for a long time. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to be a chief in like 2050, you know, and um, and they're seeing that. The problem is they believe that what you just said. And that's I mean, you're labor. You're 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 a different kind of labor, but you're labor. Yeah. But my point is you're 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 right. But you're also your interests are not the same. And all, and on top of that, your performance, I mean, all of football performance is really interdependent, but if there's any lesson from the Super Bowl, it's that a quarterback literally cannot play an entire game by himself. That is the only takeaway you should have from that game. Not the only takeaway. We're going to spend like 40 minutes talking about it. But my point is, um, it does feel like Wilson saw Brady, watched that game. He even said it. He's like, wow, offensive line play really decided that game. <laughs> and he also saw a quarterback in Tom Brady who went out and got what he wanted and, you know, joined the Monstars or whatever. Now, so I I don't know. I don't really want to have, like, the moral or, like, why is he doing this discussion? Because I agree with everything you said. I don't really have any counters. But I do do think it's reasonable to criticize Wilson for the lack of accountability he plays in the pressure aspect. Like, as somebody who's watched all 400 (laughs) or whatever of those sacks, you know, similarly to Deshaun Watson – he takes more sacks than most quarterbacks because he holds on to the football and it's part of what makes him really special. Now, that doesn't mean Seattle's built a good offensive line around him. Like both of those things are true outside of Dwayne Brown. They've made mistake after mistake in the draft and free agency. Like, I mean, there's a reason why this team gets their butts kicked by the Rams. There's no interior protection. So I'm like, it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, yeah, you you got a point. You're not entirely being truthful here, but I see why you targeted this specific area as what you'd like to improve. I don't know if he truly believes it or not. My um, inclination is that he does, but I don't think it matters. I think he's right in that the Seahawks should have done more and could have done better around him up until this point. If the, if the stats or if the sacks is the stat that he can point to to make his point, then that's fine. I, I don't know that his point is like the sacks itself. Like I think we agree on that. I think he can complain about um, game plan and play call, and he can complain about offensive line. But I, I think you're right. The sacks are also a quarterback stat, and he's responsible for a lot of sacks. But I think that's just like an easy way to communicate the idea that like I'm not going to let y'all fail me anymore, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know they, they've drafted offensive linemen. 
And although Damian Lewis, the guard they drafted this year in the second round, I believe, um, looks good from LSU, looks, had some nice early returns. You know, for the most part, it's not outside of the Dwayne Brown trade again. Like, it's it's been miss after miss. Um, yeah. I think I last year they did a huge trade for Jamal Adams. Like, if I'm Wilson, I might be like, you know what? Not really sure about the way they're allocating capital and resources. And, and that's reasonable. Um, all of this said... He's not going anywhere. I mean, if they trade him, it's a $40 million cap hit. And I realize we just saw two teams in Detroit and LA take $22, $23 million dead cap hits to move on from their quarterback. But one, the $40 million is a lot more. Two, they have Russell Wilson. Like, for it, the only, like... um, situation in which it would make sense to me would be if the Seahawks sucked and they were like, all right, right yeah. we have a good, which is, I think what Houston should be considering. And and that's what, that's where I wanted to go next, Dominique, is ask you if Houston should take a hard look in the mirror and be like, you know what? We suck. Maybe we should just trade Deshaun and maximize our return. I absolutely think so. And I think it only makes sense to take that cap hit if you are on one extreme or the other, which is why the Lions and the Rams trade made perfect sense. Yeah, for both sides. Like yeah. The Rams are like, we're, we're a good quarterback away. We, we're going to swallow this um, cap hit and give up all these draft picks because this gets us there. And the Lions are like, we don't care. We kind of are comfortable with stinking for the next couple of years. So go ahead and take this cap hit because it doesn't matter. We don't want to be that good anyway. So it makes sense in those situations. And I think that the Texans are in the latter. Like they're in that yes. situation. They're the and Lions. Even if I, yeah, yeah, in the Lions situation. Even if I felt like the Texans were even closer I still would suggest that you probably move on from your quarterback. I don't know Deshaun Watson personally, but I do know how important, as you said earlier in the show, the quarterback is somewhere between labor and management. I was jokingly saying, nah, you just labor, but they do have a bit of a venerated position on the team. You cannot have a successful team if your quarterback is unhappy and doesn't want to be there. Like you, you can't succeed. It's no way that works because they do have some, uh, responsibility for setting the tone and the culture of the team and what's acceptable, the intensity of practice, everything, whether the guys believe in their coach or not, whether they respect the coach or not, like that's a lot of quarterback or like star player type of responsibility. And like playing with the Ravens, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Suggs and those guys, they needed to believe in Harbaugh when he got there. They needed to show him that respect because if they didn't, none of us would. And that's the position that Deshaun Watson is in. So if he comes back and he's like, eh, I want to be here. On top of the fact that you aren't very talented, everyone's going to look at your coaches and your front office like you're trash because your quarterback looks at them that way. So they're they're really in a no-win situation. The last thing I said, and I'm rambling, but the last thing I'll say is I know some people think that trading Deshaun Watson would be a dumb decision. In isolation, yes, that's a dumb decision. But in actuality, it's the only thing you can do. The dumb decisions were all the decisions that you made that led you up to a point where Deshaun Watson wants to be traded. You already made the mistake. Yes, right. Holding sunk on cost. to him now is sunk cost. Yeah, yeah. you so, suck. Reckon, sorry, admit, no, 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 no. I love that. Well, your point about the Rams Alliance is so good because we again we were getting into today, and I kept trying to make the point like there's not there's yeah I, I I think the NFL today teams are more flexible about cap and drafts than before and whatever. But the Seahawks, there's no there's nothing to gain here. If they were a crappy team, it would be different and. The Texans are a crappy team. And to that end, I actually think they can get out of this with something. The, the, the fly in the ointment, gross turn of 
expression there, uh, turn of phrase, is that Deshaun has the no trade clause. So I almost feel like if I'm Houston, I'm like, hey, bud, let's figure something out because we know you, we can get the world for you, but you can also veto stuff. Like, let's get let's get the Jets in Miami bidding against each other and, and let's get out of this together and help us rebuild and we'll help you go to a good team and everyone will live happily ever after, except for David Cully, who's probably going to get fired after one year because they're going to be so bad and that's horrible. But... I think we're at a point with Houston where it's time to give up and try to work with him to move on because um, they suck. It's it's important in the NFL to like know what your team is and know like how good you actually are. I think. Can I say two things before you move us on to the next topic? Because you are quite a good host and I know that you were about to do and you weren't going to give me a chance to fit in my, my, (laughs) my two thoughts. But one, the first comment I made on the show today, you gave me, like two or three solid, mmm. I've been chasing that high ever since. I've been just giving out takes, hoping that I could get that again. And all, all I, all I get is like, yeah, yeah. Like I feel like you understand and you agree, but that first one, I don't know if you need to, if people need to rewind and listen to it off the top. But you hit me with something strong, and I was, I'm really chasing that from here on out. Last thing, David Cully. Oh, poor guy. You think that he knows? You think that he's like, he's like sixty plus years old, right? You think he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go take this cash grab down to Houston. <laughs> I know this ain't going to work out. I ain't long for this. I mean, I would, get this money and, and, and hit the bricks. The worst one was like Jim Tomsula after Chip Kelly. You remember that? The, 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 like the sacrificial year for Jim Tomsula. Um, this one, this actually strikes me. I mean, geez, Louise, it's yeah. I don't know. Would you do it? If a team, if a crappy team, like no, Absolutely. nobody. Yeah. At that point in my career, like David Cully was not going to be an NFL head coach. Like nothing about his resume suggested that he was on head coach ta- track. Nothing about his complexion suggests that he was going to like jump the line to head coach. Like he had been never been a coordinator in his many years of coaching and no disrespect to him. Lots of people skip coordinator or spend one year coordinator mm-hmm. and turn out to be good coaches. But somewhere along the line. I would have thought that he would have gotten his opportunity. So you get to this point that you're you're near the end of your career and you've accepted whatever dreams you had of being like the greatest coach of all time. Mm. You accepted that those things are probably not going to happen. And somebody's like, you know what? We're going to guarantee you like double digit million dollars. Uh, you just got to take this job. Got to stink for a few years. And that's fine. Absolutely. I would do that. You wouldn't do that. Mm. I don't know. I, I would. Yeah. Maybe at that age, nothing. to. I mean, if I'm Eric B or I'm, I'm uh Byron right. Lefkowitz or some some other coach who has options. I said this on TV many times. I would say, hell no, that's a well, lose lose because your first job is to try to convince somebody to stay there. Like that's not what I signed up for. Look at you giving me the perfect segue to get to the Super Bowl talk, mentioning two of the uh, coordinators. Oh, you thought Super it was a mistake? Um, you know, you know, just, we play uh, with the same brain. We, um, we don't know how far we go back. Let's take a quick break before we get to the Super Bowl. And we want, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl in depth now and sort of some of the lessons from that game. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience, recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Dominic, so you mentioned Eric Bieniemy, who you interviewed, fantastic interview before the game. It's funny because it's like uh, someone on Twitter was like, like, so now you're going to say Eric Bieniemy was discriminated against? I was like, Dude, did you watch, did you see the coaches on the other sideline? Byron Leftwich didn't even get an interview. Like, we're doing this? We're doing this? Um, oh, turns out it, it's not just about one coach. Um, but I do want to talk about the Chiefs offense and how they were stymied by the Bucks defense. Uh, because I think, like, for th- th- that's by far the, the most shocking thing about a game. And I want to first start by asking, do you think it should have been shocking? Like, were we so, were we stupid to assume yes. that with an offensive line that bad, Patrick Mahomes could overcome it. Yes, I think we we're stupid. I, I used the analogy that um, Patrick Mahomes is a drug, and I was high and strung out on that Wait, drug. Did you so pick the Chiefs, right? Yeah, I picked okay, the Chiefs. Okay, cool. So so high and so strung out that Swimming things that I knew to be true, I just disregarded them altogether. I was, I and and that's what happened because at no point I remember I, I analogized this to the. Um, Patriots Eagles Super Bowl where I picked the Eagles I was confident enough to pick the Eagles in their backup quarterback because of I know that line play matters and the Eagles had the better offensive and defensive line uh, the game didn't play out exactly how I expected but that's something that I can like stand by normally in this game I abandoned all the things that I had learned and trusted and loved about football and was like you know what Nah, this dude is just, he's just something special. And it made me forget that the line play, like you can't get anything done without line play on both sides. And and no matter how great you are, it's, like it's not basketball. You know why I think so many of us, I mean, the, the easy explanation is because Patrick Mahomes is the best I've ever seen. So, we, and we've seen him make magic. I mean, he almost made like some of the craziest football plays I've ever seen yeah. in my life in this mm-hmm. game. But also, Dominic, I think w- why people were so wrong is that it's not like the chiefs their entire offensive line was wiped out in one incident he was playing behind backups all season and it was the final piece eric fisher but but then it wasn't just like okay they took out eric fisher and then they had starters the other they had to reshuffle again um Mm -hmm. and i think if anything one of my big takeaways is man offensive line it, it's really interdependent. It's a really 
communication is so important. And you saw them visibly confused by some of the games Todd Bowles is playing up front, which is four guys, of course. And I think that to me, it felt like not that it came out of nowhere, but we had seen them play at a reasonably high level despite having a very embattled offensive line all year. Yeah, the the Pro Football Focus podcast guys made a point that I hadn't thought about that I thought was a good one that I'm going to steal right now, and I'm giving them credit, so it's not full stealing, that they moved Rimmer, Rimmers. And I think that yeah, the point they were making is that you're better off letting people stay where they're yes. comfortable yes. <laughs> than trying to compensate and move them around because the point that you just made. It's Offensive about linemen always say that, and, and it, continuity. Like, it buzzes over my head. I'm like, you know, but yeah. it's so true. Yeah. And they, they, they made, they compounded the problem by going from having a complete, like, I don't want to say a zero, but like just knowing that you're going to lose this left tackle battle all, all the time and feeling comfortable ish on the right. They went from doing that to putting question marks on both sides, which was a, which was a problem. But again, it wasn't completely debilitating. There were things that they could have done, but I mean, you're That's asking a lot for for people to change their stripes in the in the middle of a, a game like that. I want to ask you. Okay, so let's talk about that. Like, what could they have done? You know what I mean? Like, is there anything offensively that because you, you you've seen a lot of a lot of people and right. across the board, analysts, folks on Twitter have said, where where was the quick game and where were the jet sweeps and screens and RPOs? And upon my Third rewatch of the Chiefs offense. I've watched the game twice. I've watched the Chiefs offense three times. I have a few thoughts. One of which is they did try that stuff and it sucked. Right. Yep. They just sucked at it. I mean, the screen, mm-hmm. these are some of the, like Andy Reid has the most beautiful screen game in the NFL. And these are some of the grossest screens. It's, it, honestly, it's like a cracked iPhone watching it. <laughs> um, like, it, so, like they're just, you guys are slipping, yeah. communicating. Yeah. Um, the RPOs. Also, you, you saw the Bucks do what I hoped they would do or encourage them to do last week. Thanks for listening. Which was um, <laughs> play the pass more heavily. But also, like, look, this is not the first time everyone's like, wow, Todd Bowles played cover two in quarter. Like, yeah, no, no shit, right? Everybody thought he would. It's not the first time Kansas the City is. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the Russell Wilson thing from the second half of the season. But the problem is usually their answer for that is a hefty dose of Travis Kelsey and one, he was getting, they were muscling him. Like they handled him pretty well, David in particular. But two, it, the protection wasn't even holding up long that's enough. That's it. That's for, it. Yeah. It's yeah, just that's like, it. So it's when crazy. I, football's like, it's about 0.25 second increments. People don't understand that. And if you can't even get that mm-hmm. extra 0.25 second, you're effed. Yeah. Point, yeah, 0.25 seconds is such a long time in football. <laughs> and I, I think like the the math breaks down to like actually only like 10 or 11 minutes of actual gameplay. The rest of it is like spent between um, plays. So like I think when you think of it that way, you understand how important those fractions of a second are in the course of a game. And I think the the Kelsey thing is interesting because Kelsey put up some some numbers, but they weren't impactful because drives stalled out for other reasons. And uh, he dropped that big uh, third down conversion when they were backed up, which led to the punt penalty, repunt shank that led to the two penalties that ended up at a touchdown. So you're not the only one who's rewatched this game three times. You know? The brutal drop, um, by the way. That's the one oh where you rewatch God. it and you're like, Whoa! Yeah, that was I mean, it because they had just they had just stopped them at the one and you're like, all right, we're going this way. I'm not going to use that dreaded word momentum, but like you're like, all right, this is where the game can change. This is where the game can turn. 
Um, and that drop stopped it because that would have changed everything. Like it took more time off the clock and kicked a, a deeper punt, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, so many of the answers to the coverages that they were using were slower developing routes. Mm. That's the tough part. So like they were doing a lot of two man, or at least what it turned out to be was two man, but they were really just doubling Kelsey and um, Hill. And when Kelsey and Hill were on the same side of the ball, you could have worked the other side of the ball many times when they were on opposite side of the ball, it turned into man under two pretty much. And so the move there is like, you can try to get them out of the way and work the opposite side of the ball, or you can have um, speed crossers, and like the variation of routes that work off of that. So if I'm Tyreek Hill, I use Tyreek Hill in this situation. He's fast and quick. You put him in the slot or you put him outside and motion him down, get him a head start and have him sprint to the other side of the field. I think Tony Romo broke this route down against the, um, when they played the Browns in the playoffs, like this is what they love to do. That kind of deep over type of thing. So you do that. He can outrun those guys. It doesn't matter if the safety's over top because you put Kelsey on the left side and have Kelsey or Nicole Hardman or someone there to clear out that left side. And you do that. And then the variation off of that is you run that way and then you cut back right. And no one can keep up with Tyreek Hill. I don't care who you are. You can do that in a bunch of different variations of that there. But can you imagine how even with Tyreek Hill, that takes so much time to get to that side of the field. And then the counter takes even more time. So I just found myself every answer I came up with was still reliant on them protecting him. The only answer that I thought of that that doesn't that is not reliant on that O line pass protecting is a power running game. And yep. when they did do power running attacks, it worked. And the problem with that is they got down by so many points. So yes. Early. So they waited so, too long. I, I'm gonna, I'm going to say okay, everybody clear out, clear out. All right, ISO, ISO. Mina Kimes. Straight to camera, Jim Halpert style. They should have run the football more in the first half. Because in the, the beginning of the second half, they came out and it was yeah, it was exactly. really effective. And then there was like that third down where Hardman... Hardman, by the way, effed up a lot in this game. I mean, I don't want to... The, the, the game really, like, there was the Hill, Williams, and Kelsey had the big drops. But for the most part, the Bucks did a really good job of taking Hill and Kelsey out. And, like, no one else stepped up on this football team. But anyways, in the beginning of the second half, that first drive... It was a combination. They, 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 Edwards Hilaire, I think uh, the first run was off the RPO and he gave and he got like, it was a pretty long run. I can't remember if it was 20 yards or something, but that whole drive was like, oh, okay, great. This is, they're still in it. It was 21 to nine, I think at that point. Um, and they had some, in Kelsey, they were getting the ball to him quicker and, um, and then it stalled out. And then after that, it was 28 to nine and it was like, all right, now they just got to try to get chunk plays and they're effed. Like the ball, the game just spun out of hand so quickly. And right, I think they waited too long to run. And I'm almost a little hesitant to say that because we're talking about like not that many drives in the first half, really, because of the so, way stuff shook out. But I do think that it's they not even. I think you're right. They waited too long, but it's not even about waiting too long as much as to me, it's about the types of runs they've had. And maybe it was, um, I think it was Devin White, maybe in the post game who kind of called their offense gimmicky and essentially said that they're soft and uh, said that the Chiefs were soft and the Bucks are a smash mouth football team. I don't buy into that so much, but I went back and looked at all the runs. Once I determined that it would have been nice to run the ball more effectively, especially earlier, I went back and looked at all the early runs and the ones that were straight line, like they're always in shotgun. So you don't get that type of head start. But the ones that felt like powers or counters that were like straight line, the lineman can push out. 
they still had success with those, but so many of their runs were perimeter runs, which there's, there's like, there's no advantage to doing that because that gives the safeties time to get involved in the running attack. So if you go right at them, the safeties, because they, the safe, they never had, well, that's not true. They did a few cover three looks that, that they made look different off the start, but so rarely did they have an extra safety in the box? You should be able to get five yards before anybody touches you if you don't have a safety in the box and you have serviceable offensive linemen, which they, I mean, those guys weren't off the street completely. They, they were serviceable. So that was also a concern. It wasn't that they waited too long. It was that they were doing these kind of sideline soft runs that don't take advantage of uh, the defense. The Bucks had a too high safety shell on 87% of snaps. Uh, Tyreek Hill made a come after where he was like, yeah, we thought they would play more man and single high. Really? Really? Huh? Like, huh? I, 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 I guess There's that's no what way. befuddles me. Like, again, on one hand, I want to say a lot of the stuff we're asking the Chiefs to do, they actually did try or they would not have had success because the protection was that bad. But on the other hand, I hear a comment like that. And I'm like, you really thought Todd Bowles would learn zero lessons from the last game? Like, he made some of those adjustments in week 12. Every single show, people were like, you know, "Yeah, they're going to play more zone and too high." Like, or, you, you know, know this better than most because your your experience with the Seahawks is that there are two different types of teams. There are do what we do yes. type of teams, and then there are game plan type of teams. And the Seahawks have always been, or until recently, have always been a kind of do what we do type of team. But the Bucks, to me, don't seem. I don't know why you would assume that headed into the Super Bowl after what happened last time. Like, that seems like a ridiculous assumption. I'm going to assume that Tyreek Hill just ain't know what else to say. I mean, I, I will say, like, Todd Bowles, he broke every tendency he has. I mean, the, on both sides of football. We'll get to the Bucks' offense in a second versus the defense. But that's the lowest blitz rate by a Bowles defense in five years. I mean, like... That's pretty cool. I like I, I cannot stress enough how impressive this team this the Bucks performance was from a coaching perspective and an execution perspective because like th- just the stuff they did up front like I'm not a defensive line expert um but like it was wild. Like I did you have Vita Vea lined up at defensive end on your bingo card? Did, you know, like the thing they did where they would um loop 50 Barrett around to contain Mahomes using oh that was so cool and they they did so many different things like they the Rodgers were just coming from every possible alignment it was so neat um so those those were the those are the things that I was most impressed with from the coaching because I think the coverages were not like revolutionary the concept was something I thought of the first time I saw the Chiefs play football was like let's get guys deep like that was not revolutionary the things that I thought were special was them understanding that the best offense for the Chiefs is not Andy Reid's design, honestly, like the most explosive plays. If you think about your Patrick Mahomes memories, those are him like creating outside the pocket mm. and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey breaking down the field. And we saw one of those passes hit. Um, uh, Well, we saw several of these passes hit people and drop them. I'm thinking of the Kelsey one. Yeah, I'm thinking of Kelsey one right now where he was rolling right and Kelsey broke to the right sideline, like through the middle of the field and it hit him, but it was a little slow. So the guy broke it up. So I, like, those are the plays we remember is him crossing, throwing across his body and doing that sort of stuff. The way that they modify their um, scramble rules 
and stuck to those scramble yeah. rules and were completely comfortable with those scramble rules, even when Mahomes was running for first downs or big games early in the game, like that to me is coaching. That's like, look, yeah, this is going to happen. We're going to like, we'll live the fight another day. Don't try to be a hero. I mean, but football, it's like, it is math. Like if you have four human beings who can consistently get the quarterback moving in less than 2.5 seconds, that makes your life a lot easier as a linebacker trying to cover it. Like I, or, you know, the various bucks DBs, I, I know you're saying about the rule, like this, the fact that Mahomes almost pulled off those plays, I think it does raise the question and we'll wrap up this side of the ball here from the chiefs perspective. I know you, you and I said, yeah, they should have run the football more, but like given the state of your offensive line, is it a better move to, just really try to stick to quick stuff and, and and they did try some of it contrary to public perception uh, or do you think like listen it's it's Patrick Mahomes let's just pray that he can make magic happen which he almost did I mean honestly <laughs> praying that Patrick Mahomes makes magic happen feels like more of a certainty than anything else <laughs> that, that yeah. he could have done so like it's hard to begrudge them I'm hoping that Patrick makes magic happen. But I, I, I do think that they could have done some more to help him to anticipate what was going to happen. I think they had some success with a couple of gadgety type of plays like that Tyreek Hill. When they were backed up, they hit Tyreek Hill on what seemed like a, a weird little screen yes. play. That was yes, no, that's one of the best like, plays of the game. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah like that, that seemed like that play was designed to go against this defense. And to your point, they should have stuck with the screen passes because um, two man, the screen pass doesn't work necessarily. But when they were in those zones, screen pass is tremendous against the zone. I, I remember one getting batted, batted down and then one getting like completely just blown up. But then they were like, all right, we're done with screen passes. That's yes, not going to work. After the first, yeah, there were a few gross ones. Yeah. But they, you're right. They were playing a lot of quarters. Um, right. And the screen would kill that. And they were playing like a special quarters too, where they were, their underneath defenders were buzzing to Hill and Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So like understanding that those guys are decoys, like that's a that's something that it, it felt like they still wanted to have big games for those guys and and that wasn't gonna happen. And McCole Harmon isn't Tyree Kill, but he's a reasonable facsimile. Like he's fast enough that if you are going to double cover um Tyree Kill, I love the matchup of McCole Harmon versus anybody with Patrick Mahomes throwing it. We're gonna eat. And they, they didn't do that. And generally is quarters versus the Chiefs where the safety can cut like do you think that's a a good approach against this team or do you I mean I guess it's just it's so hard to like if anything I think the blueprint if you're going to take a blueprint away it's on the other side of the ball which we're about to get to playing the Chiefs defense like I'm not sure how much you can really take away like teams did do what we just saw teams did this to the Chiefs I mean shoot they ran the ball on Buffalo I don't know why they didn't do it more in this game but but they weren't playing true coverages in in many cases so like they were not their safeties weren't playing true quarters rules you could see that um and how they were reacting to like the the meager play fakes like quarters is is a great defense in part because it can be good against the run if the safety Mm. safeties have good run pass reads and it can also be great against the pass if the safeties have good run pass reads they were not doing run pass reads when they play quarters they were like look this is a different type of quarters this is a true 
quarters. And and to the point I was making earlier, Kelsey and Hill were who they were focusing on. So yes. if you go rewatch the game for the 15th time, Mina, and look at the passes, like there was one in the second half, I think, to um to Sammy Watkins. He was so wide open. Like anybody not named Kelsey or Hill, like if it, it felt like they were not contesting those passes. So it was a, it was a game plan specifically designed to like force somebody else to beat him and and force Patrick Mahomes to hold on to the ball. And there was not enough enough plays, I guess, or enough opportunities where he got he created his own time because he was his best blocker <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, he just, did some crazy stuff. It's, also, it's not like he was overlooking wide open guy. Like I think there's a bit of in the fourth quarter he was because again they were down so much and you know they were trying to get the chunk plays, but. In the first three quarters, like when you go back and watch, like there's not many plays where you're like, oh, look, the hard Hardman or Williams or whatever opening could get a first down. And even on the ones where he's like a little bit late to the check down, it's because it's later in his progression. And by good, but I, I, I'm sorry, I know you want to move on, but I feel like part of that is play design. Yeah. That part of that was coming to the, yeah, it's, Again, it's, it's like, not what that. What were they thinking? Yeah. How did they think it's he would not have, that they, yeah. because when they started to put Kelsey and, and Hill on the same side, that other side felt open. It was just like, to me at least, it felt like it wasn't Those about, guys weren't winning. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And it wasn't about, like they, they, they said, weren't hey. winning because they weren't, the, they weren't the first reads. And that's a hard thing to do when you have Kelsey and Hill on your team to be like, you know what? The primary on this is is Sammy Watkins, but had they done that sooner, like that would have been a good point. If they, you know what I mean? Like if yeah, they yeah, yeah. Like once they had realized like, earlier time, that yeah, okay, they're gonna play a ton of split safety coverages and use the safety. There was this one specific play that I I can send to you after this because I know you care this much about it. Where they put Hill and Kelsey on the same side, and Sammy Watkins ran a curl. <laughs> he was I, I can look up the next gen stats I would guess that there was no one within five years I know exactly the play you're talking about Yeah, he's a oh, little bit that, short I, I mean I don't know if he would have picked up the first down if it's the one I'm thinking of maybe but, but I don't know it just felt to me that um, and maybe that's why he was that open because it was the third because it was third down but I just noticed that more and more often that it was clear by halftime that they decided that Kelsey and um, and Hill were there's a couple to plays stopped. too where I thought Williams was in the same situation, but you're right. Yeah, like, I think, ignored him. yeah, okay. Well, the so tired, I feel like uh, Todd Bowles out coached Todd Bowles out coached Eric Bianami and Andy Reid on that side of the ball pretty thoroughly. Facts. Um, let's talk about the other side of the football. Let's take a quick break. So, Dominique, I was so effing impressed by Byron Lefkowitz in this game. I mean, um, let's start with a, a stat. I tweeted this because uh, I forgot. Somebody was saying, like, well, did you watch the book? Are you sure it's Byron Lefkowitz or was it Tubb? Oh, or yeah. was it Keith Armstrong? Are, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so many. And yet, Byron, <sighs> Todd Wolf I feel like you explained right? the joke. You said it's hard to keep track. People might... <laughs> Take oh that yeah. The wrong okay. Way, uh, sorry. One of their some reporter uh, after the game, Byron was doing a press conference and he asked him about defending the Chiefs' offense, and um, it was extremely awkward. Uh, not only because they look nothing alike, but they're like, I would say, like 
as I'm trying to think of a comp, like Diana Rossini and I, maybe like makeup wise is like the difference in tone we're talking about. Like, I, I mean, I guess it's a zoom. Yeah, it's like, not even close. Have you never seen these human beings before? Um, probably not. Uh, okay. Stat I thought was incredible. During the regular season, Brady's average depth to target was 8.8 yards, which is second in the NFL. Pretty typical for a Bruce Arians offense. In this football game, it was 5.9, which would have been the lowest in the league. Um, he got the football out faster than he ever has. I think, I think like ever, maybe? Uh, certainly this season. It was like 2.17 seconds or something stupid. Basically, the box looked at the Chiefs and said, oh, you like to blitz a lot and you're wide, you're good at defending wide receivers. All right, we're just going to do everything else. Brilliant. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's silly. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, they literally just targeted every single one of the Chiefs' weaknesses. Oh, Daniel Sorensen? Ooh, sorry. Oh, your linebackers can't cover and you're not really bad at run defense? All right, here we go. I mean, it was just amazing. Yeah. So it's not in isolation, you know. So, like, the – the score and the way that the the defense shut down the Chiefs offense like really helped the Bucks defense, forcing them to be one dimensional. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or excuse me, really helped the Bucks offense. Oh, I know you, yeah. It, it gave the Bucks the opportunity to be two dimensional, which allows the play action and whatever, all that stuff. Take the time works. and yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're right. They they looked at the the Chiefs and they were like, "All right, we're gonna attack you where you're weak." And <laughs> I think that bold, bold, strategy. yeah. As, yeah, is it is it hubris that um that the the Chiefs were showing and not doing the same thing? Which is fair. It's been what three seasons where functionally no one's ever really stopped them. I guess um the the Falcons are the only team that's really slowed them down in this three year stretch. So maybe. It's hubris, or maybe it's just like dance with the one that brought you. But I think the the um, the Bucks had the foresight and the humility to be like, all right, let's attack their weaknesses, and they had the lead, which allowed them to be two dimensional. Because I'm not sure how differently this game plays out if it's close. Like it's mm. it's a different it's there's a different game plan. There's a different pressure on that offense to um, create in those situations and the penalties too. That's a good point because you know. On one hand, I'm like, well, this is how you should play the Chiefs defense, guys. You should run the football and, you know, use a lot of play action and count on getting yards after the catch. I mean, the average Bucks receiver had like, the, actually, I wrote this down somewhere. It's crazy. Mm, like four yards of separation, something stupid. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's play action, folks. It works. Brady was a uh, 10 for 13 off of play action. And uh, he, so he averaged 10.4 yards off play action, six without. <laughs> Um, I don't even think he ran that many dropbacks. If I remember correctly, nah. the first half was like two dropbacks. Everything else was run or play action. Um, the other thing is, okay, yeah, four yards of separation of Brady's targets, which, I mean, if you take away Antonio Brown, the wide receivers had three catches in this game, um, which, like, Mike Evans, like, was kind of blanked by uh, Bashad Breeland the last time they played. And the Bucks. Again, they learned like I, I, I'm not convinced they win if they hadn't played in week 12 because they took oh, yeah. every possible correct lesson from that game, even with the Chiefs line. And by the way, that Evans, um, he did have that one big 31 yard catch, which was one of the various situations where the Chiefs were in base. Uh, they were they were in base defense a lot in this game. 
uh, whereas they only had one snap in base defense the first time these teams played. The Bucks said, we are going to put every offensive lineman we have on the field. We are going to put both of our tight ends on, and we are going to get get these safeties and linebackers covering. And by golly, it's 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 our advantage. I mean, the, the other thing, there was another play where... You hit me with a ball. Yeah, that is that and, made me uncomfortable. Oh, this other play, I, I, I've been spending too much time by with golly. people from the South, NFL Live. Dude, I, I started thinking in Marcus Spears' voice, by golly, is a Laura, <laughs> but she does golly. But um, uh, I know I need, I've been saying y'all around the house. My husband's like, what the hell is happening here? No, but there was a play where, um, first of all, the, like the there were so many plays, whether it was the the slide route to Gronk, um, mm-hmm. or there was like a pop pass. The 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 one I'm thinking of though is it was to Brait, and the Chiefs were in base yet again, and he used Gronk to hold Matthew. And do you remember the play? It's a little screen to Gronk. So, and I tweeted the next oh, yeah, gen yeah. stats stat, the next gen stat, the dots. And Orlowski pointed out, like, that's a Patriots play. And I was like, holy shit, they just ran the Patriots offense, didn't they? Like, exactly. yeah. I mean, shoot. I, that's what it I, looked like. A lot. It, 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 a lot it, of the plays. The first, the first series did not look like the Patriots. Every other series kind of looked like the Patriots. With exception of that tight end screen, which I'm sure the Patriots ran at some point, but that that felt like something that the Bucks put into the offense earlier in the season that that break screen, that big play. But yeah, that it felt like very Patriots, which is it's fine because I know that you say that um, sacks is a quarterback stat, and that's true. And wins is not a quarterback stat. I don't think that it could ever be more truer than the games that we saw <laughs> throughout these particular playoffs. Oh. Like Tom Brady is the goat, but he was fine. Mm, it was, I mean, it was, it was fine. It wasn't like the Manning Super Bowl where they had, you know, drafted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, he yeah, played yeah. well. I mean, shoot, that, um, there was a touchdown that one of the touchdowns, it was the, the maybe the whip route to AB that I'm thinking of. No, it wasn't. It, no, it was the second touchdown to Gronk where I was like, that was a laser. Um, he looked good. He was decisive. He did everything you have to do to beat the Chiefs defense. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, he shouldn't have been MVP. I, but Barnwell and I both chose Shaq Barry. Do you think that's the right pick? That's who I picked before the game. I said, oh, look the at you. when Shaq, Shaq Barry will you know be the MVP. You knew they wouldn't give it to him, though. Come on. Yeah, of course not. I know. I know better. But I mean, it's every Super Bowl, they give it to the wrong person because they give it to a quarterback every time. It should be a defender. Except for Mal- Malcolm Smith, Seahawks Super Bowl MVP. Oh, yeah, that's right. I Legend. remember that. What team? How did Russell Wilson let that happen? Now. I was at that Super Bowl. That was that was uh, pre uh, going public with his invest in the offensive line demands. Russell Wilson <laughs> was a different time. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, how about Grock, man? I mean, I, I think I, okay. I, I tweeted this. I didn't say. I didn't say it. My my highest take is like the goat debate. Patrick Mahomes still has a lot of years left, right? So I'm not going to close the door on that. I mean, Brady will be really hard to catch because of the Super Bowls, whatever. But I kind of walked away from this game thinking Kelsey will never catch Gronk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I, mean, Gronk, I, th- I think Gronk Kelsey won. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know that. I, I don't know that this game decided it necessarily. But I mean, if you could have a draft, and I guess draft isn't the same as greatest because I think in a draft, most people would choose Patrick Mahomes at his peak over Brady at his peak. But I don't think there's any comparison to Gronk and Kelsey because Gronk is 
so versatile that he can have an offense built entirely around him in a way that I don't think Kelsey can. And I think Kelsey's great, but I think Kelsey is great in this situation. There is a, a, um, a potential like foreseeable situation where Kelsey is good. I don't think Gronk goes anywhere and isn't great because Gronk is so exceptional at every facet of the position. Like he is the prototype. He's an enormous, strong guy who can also run routes like a receiver. Kelsey is a guy who can run routes better than Gronk, but all the other stuff, like I feel like there's no comparison. Byron Leffitt's really used Gronk the entire effing season as a blocker. (laughs) And, uh, then in the biggest game of the year, flip the switch. I also, I mean, it's like the same with like the play action. Going from 18% before the bye to 43% in this game. Like that is, people talk about Brady bringing the Patriots way to Tampa. Of course, we don't engage in that sort of nonsense uh, on this podcast. But mm-hmm. that was the most Patriots-like thing about this Super Bowl is that the Bucks freaking changed it up. Like that, to me, in, in some ways... It reminds me a lot of the uh, the Rams Pat Super Bowl, the thirteen to three game, where it was kind of like this game sucks. But then you watch it, and you're like, whoa, the coaches did all this kind of crazy cool stuff and changed their tendencies, and like that's how I felt watching this game. Like the Bucks co- coaches, Arians, Leftwich, Bowles, they're they're the, you the real MVPs. <laughs> it's it's a rewatch Super Bowl for sure, and to appreciate all the things that happened. But uh, can we go back to the base thing for a second? Is Juan Thornhill not fully back from mm. his? I don't know like, because he was so knee. good, at, dude. He was so because good in the like, championship, though. Because I this defense is so different when you take um, Sorensen out and put Thornhill in. Like that really hurts this defense's flexibility. And he was good in that game, and I expected him to be in in base. I, yeah, I don't, I don't completely understand because I've been really impressed with him since before he got hurt and really impressed since he's come back. And I thought he was going to be a difference maker for them defensively. And it, I don't know, he's just not out there enough for me. And maybe he's – I tore my ACL and I was never the same. So maybe I think that's, he is still working his way back. Well, that's a good setup to what I wanted to talk about last, which is these two teams moving forward. So let's start with the Chiefs. You know, the assumption is they'll be the best team in the NFL. They'll have a functional offensive line. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And they don't have a ton of free agents. And you know, But on defense, there are some problems, I think. You made a really smart point about how the Bucks, because of the game script, were really comfortable. And got they basically, the game script enabled them to run mm. perfect offense against Kansas mm. City. But... Um, <laughs> If you're Kansas City, do you look at linebacker, potentially safety, edge rusher? Frank Clark was like a total nothing burger in this game. Like, do you look at those positions and try to maybe go there instead of spending your first round draft pick on a running back? This year? Yeah, I think that was really bad. Not good. That first round draft pick like looks really bad today. And maybe if they had run the ball, it looks really good. But it feels to me like they can't go wrong, honestly. And it, I hate talking about needs as much as talking about players. And I haven't done the the deep dive into the college players enough to know who to get. But my belief, and I know it's just like cliche at this point, is like you draft for the talent that's there, not for the need. Because like I'd be fine with them getting a D lineman if that D lineman was a difference maker. Like I'm fine with you getting a linebacker if he's a difference maker. Get a corner or a safety if he's a difference maker. Like, you build your defense around the talent that's available. So 
best case scenario, an all pro linebacker is available for them, but don't reach for a linebacker if that's not who's there. Like, I, I, I think this defense is in a position where, or this team is in a position where, as long as Patrick Mahomes is there, that they are within championship striking distance. And that is more important to me. Like, I'm fine with building a team that's heavy in one spot. So, like, if you build an incredible defensive line, that's fine. You can tilt coverages or do whatever you need to do to protect the other people. I would hate to get a player who is less impactful just because you have a hole. Like, I think that's a that's a trap that teams can and do fall into. Dominique, the Chiefs have shown a willingness to do what you describe. I mean, this is a team that was linked with Henry Ruggs in the draft last year, which uh, struck everything <laughs> as redundant. But then you watch a game like the Super Bowl and you're reminded of the fact that you never know what your team will need. Maybe Henry Ruggs is the difference because he's the the third guy who gets open when they cover Hill and Kelsey. But I would encourage people when thinking about the Chiefs more broadly, don't read too much into a game where your offensive line was, you know, like pulled off the street. So uh, on the Bucs side, I want to ask you this. Are they the best team in the NFC next year? (sighs) I struggled with this myself. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my inclination is to say no. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, Packers, I, I love the Rams defense, which I know defense is not as um, consistently replicable as offense is, but <laughs> they've gotten better on offense. Um, I like it when you begrudgingly admit, like, uh, analytical type points, even though you hate them. That's a great <laughs> I don't one. hate analytics. The no, thing but I still is, look in your face. People can't see that when he said yeah. that, he looks so angry. Let me turn this camera off. The thing <laughs> is... <laughs> Of former football player jock guys, I feel like I am one of the most, if not the most, analytically inclined. But you, but you nerds think that there is nothing more to football than stats and numbers, and you need dots. to understand Don't that there's dots. more to it than. Oh yeah, my bad. There's more to it than dots and numbers. So, um, yeah, I do understand and I accept that defense is not replicable, but that defense is outstanding, and I don't think losing Brandon Staley is going to change that. So I like the Rams with the addition of uh, Matt Stafford. I think the NFC is a lot closer, or the NFC feels like it is more up for grabs than the AFC. Like It didn't feel like anybody in the AFC can recreate what – the uh the Buccaneers did. I still lean Mahomes and AFC. The NFC, I feel like it's, it's wide open. Just about anybody, right? Yeah, the Bucks the Bucks have a lot of free agents, a lot of good important free agents. Godwin, Barrett, David, Levante David. The list is long there, but they've got cap space, like about forty million dollars. I think the focus on Barrett and David, I think they'll let Godwin walk personally. Hello, Baltimore, if you're there. Um but I, why I like them is they've got they, the offense figured it out at the end of the freaking season. So, and they keep their offensive line and they get to keep their coaches. So I, I just like the continuity there. Um, I agree with you. I think it's really close between the Bucks, Packers, and Rams, but we'll see. We'll see how. Okay. All right. Poor Saint. That window shut right on them. What bad call, Minnesota miracle. Um, and a bunch of other stuff, and they got shellacked. That window just shut right I, on their fingers. I will say, like, I still feel like some crazy stuff's going to go down with the quarterbacks over the next month, so I'm I'm not ready to make any season predictions yet. As always, we're wrapping with Dinks and Dunks, which is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Download the DraftKings app today and use code MINA to get in on all of the action. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? 
Dominique, my first question, the most important, have you seen the cat lawyer video? And <laughs> is it the funniest video of the year? It's phenomenal. What's I your mean, favorite part? Is, let, me, let me adjust it. What's your favorite part? Obviously, is when he said, um, I'm not a cat. Really? Because my favorite, okay, uh, people who haven't seen it, there's like a court hearing, I guess, which is, it's been an amazing year between the judge who got hit on by the prisoner. She was interested. I don't care what nobody said. She was interested. You saw it. You saw what I said. I saw that smile. But that, so there's a court hearing and it's a, it's like a, a judge, two lawyers, one lawyer, and then another lawyer who forgot to change his zoom filter and it's like a cat that moves its mouth when he talks and makes facial expressions and my favorite part is not when he says i am not a cat but when he says he, he can't figure out how to change it so he said i can i'm ready to move forward as the cat love that part i need, I need to figure out how to do these filters though yeah i don't know that seems like that's a, that's a zoom premium function so how does that happen though like he sounded like he was too old to have young children so is was that a, a prank? What's going on? I don't know. I was worried it was a setup, but then the guy who posted David Gardner linked to an article where it was not a setup. It's like an old lawyer dude who is, yeah, it's real, which is great. But one of the old lawyers is is on it off the top. And he's like, I believe you have a filter. Like he he's the other one is, is on. pissed, but then he kind of smiles yeah. at the end. I don't know. Question two. I'm gonna start. I gotta figure out how to do that on my phone so I can start calling you and doing that cat face. <laughs> Question two. Uh, how would you rank the weekend halftime performance on a scale of one through ten? Um, I don't know, one and ten at the same time. I'm not a halftime performance guy. Like it was fine. It was like people uh, care too were, much. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to judge other people for caring that much. I'm not a fan of the weekend and the halftime show. Ooh. is so rarely is it somebody that I care much about. So like it has to be really special. There were no guests like appearances. I understand like the COVID restrictions and all that. So they adhere to all of that, but. I don't know. I guess it was fine. It didn't, it didn't move me, but I didn't think it was terrible. The audio seemed bad at first, and then it got better. I, I want to be a halftime guy, but like until they start putting mm. washed-up rappers in there, they're not going to get me excited. <laughs> uh, I liked it. Um, do you like The weekend? I do like The weekend, and I also thought the I liked the set, the staging of it. I thought it was, like, it was made for television, and I thought it was cool. Um, okay. That's fine. We don't, I don't really want to, like, you know, you clearly don't have strong takes about this. So. I can't kill my face when I'm with you. Oh, Lenny, stop. Okay. Uh, question number three. Oh my God. This, this, this will, um, another quarterback that has been linked to the trade market or, or potentially could be on the block is Derek Carr. Uh, would you rather have Derek Carr or Carson Wentz? Oh, that's a good one. Because I feel like that's a, a, a floor versus yeah. upside play. Yeah, that is it. That's so Derek Carr, your floor is obviously higher. <laughs> Carson right. Wentz, your floor, we have seen it. The floor is the, it's magma, but yeah. you have that tantalizing, <laughs> think, you know, 2017 season. Yeah. So the, my first response is it depends on the team. But if we are going like team agnostic, then I, I go Carson Wentz. Like I'd, I'd rather. Wow, really? I'd rather shoot for, I'd rather shoot for the moon. Like I, I, I did not see I, that coming out of you. Yeah, it's curveball. Curveball. You it think just because just because I I I seem adamantly opposed to Wentz because he is always, or at least he used to be, in opposition to Dak Prescott, someone who was perpetually underappreciated. I don't hate Carson Wentz. Like he's fine. I just hate when people try to act like him and Dak Prescott are in the same conversation. Stop. Man, we did that on NFL Live today and 
because uh, the proper the the uh, fig leaf of a premise that we used to have the conversation was the Cowboys dropping a hype video without Dak Prescott, and then some poor social media person was like, "I'm I'm 19." <laughs> oh Lord, I love it, love it. Um, but. Dan was down to tango, so we got into it a little bit. Um, Is he still? No, he's not still like Wentz is better than Dak, right? He stopped that. He used Wentz's contract example of why the Cowboys should be wary of signing Dak what? to a longer deal. And my, you could see what you know that emoji where the guy's head explodes. Oh yes, that's what my face did on screen. And uh, absurd. I know. I'm still honestly. I still have sweat marks from how heated I got. All right. Question question number four. Um you know what? I'm tired of talking about football. Can you give a content a quarantine qu- content recommendation? You always have good ones. Sure. Um so if you don't mind, well actually subtitles are gone. So on Netflix Ooh. they used to have a show called um Gamora, <laughs> Italian mafia love show. show. You love it, it used to have it used to have subtitles, but now it's on HBO Max and they have like Ooh. some wonky voiceovers that you'll get used to. It doesn't bother. I like you. subtitles. It's a phenomenal show. Yeah, it's so you can put it on subtitles and ignore the voiceovers. This is um, my, of course okay. you would nerd. This is my one of my favorite and least favorite things about Dominique is like he does not do like kind small talk in like so when he was describing the show to me via text, I was like, oh, it sounds like. It sounds a little bit like narc. So it's about Italian crime family. I was like, sounds a little bit like, like narcos. And he just wrote back, no, <laughs> just not even like, <laughs> not really. No, no, just it's no. not. A, it's not. Just the word no. I just want to imagine. So I just want to imagine. So You're okay. like, oh, okay, couple like- friends having a conversational moment. Oh, this sounds like another show. I like no. I told you this several times is that there's a lot going on in this house, Mina. I got to get this straight to the point. I, I If you want to have a conversation, we can talk on the phone, but I can't be have my face in the, in my phone when my son's trying to burn this whole place down. I don't want to talk on the phone. Literally no one wants, no one under the age of I don't want to talk on the phone either, Mina. Mina, I don't want to talk on the phone either, Mina, but you need to understand that there is kindness. You know, by now that there is kindness in my no, I don't have to explain that to you. Anyway, um, Gamora. It's not like Narcos because Narcos is cops versus criminals. Gamora is criminals versus criminals, mm. and and it's much better than um, Narcos. So watch the first season if you don't love it. I apologize. I'm on the third season right now, and I love it. I mean, what did you just say? There's kindness in my no. Can you? <laughs> can we get a drop of that for every time Dominique enters? Um, last question as always, comes from Lenny. Um, he's checking out your Twitter. You know, he likes to peruse it from time to time. And he noticed that your pinned tweet is praise you received in 2016. And he just wants to know, you really haven't done anything since then? <laughs> Lenny. 